0: Welcome to Create Beauty Every Day, a podcast where we talk to people about how they create beauty every day. I'm Deanne Fitzpatrick and this podcast is brought to you by HookingRugs.com where you can get everything you need to create beautiful rugs. That's how I create beauty every day. So now on with the show. Hi, I'm Deanne Fitzpatrick with Create Beauty Every Day, um, a podcast brought to you by HookingRocks.com. And today I'm, ta- I'm taking the time to talk to someone who I've listened to for a long time. And uh, welcome, Mitch. I'm talking to Mitch Joel.
1: Hi, Deanna. That's very nice to to hear. I didn't know. So that, that's always nice that you're the one. You're the one listening. Okay.
0: <laughs> yeah, I am. I'm the one. I'm the one okay, listening. Yeah. Um, uh, tell us who you are and what you do. That's what you always say at the beginning of your podcast, eh?
1: Sure. Well, my name is Mitch Joel, and currently I and one of my older business partners are running a business called the Six Pixels Group, which is really a place where we have been tinkering with everything from speaking, mm-hmm. which has been more virtual than physical this past 2020, to investing and advising and creating content. And that comes on the tails of us building, being a half of a team. So we are four partners that built a digital marketing agency called Twist Image that we started in around 2000 and we sold about six years ago to WPP. And that agency became a large global agency called Mirum, which when I left the business two years ago, uh, had about 3000 employees in 30 countries. And in the process of building the agency, I became kind of well-known in certain specific small niches of the world for building a blog and podcast called Six Pixels of Separation, which I still write and podcast on. Started that in around 2003, 2004. And, uh, you know, started speaking. I wrote two books, Six Pixels of Separation, Control, Delete, and uh, genuinely care about helping businesses grow.
0: Yeah, you do. You can feel it off you. You've been doing it for so long, eh? Um, You can feel it off you when you're talking to people. One of the things I wanted to to talk to you about today is just you have a natural ability to converse with people.
1: Well, natural is an interesting word, Ian. Uh-huh. <laughs> Um In the late 80s, I became a music journalist and I was still in my teens. And I spent the greater part of over a decade interviewing thousands of musicians and rock stars and celebrities and publishing magazines. And that included interviewing entrepreneurs and other business types and media types. Mm-hmm. And so what looks natural to somebody maybe catching up on, you know, Episode 750 of okay. one podcast, which has been one of the longest running business podcasts in the world, if not the longest running, I think it's easy to say, well, you're really natural at it. And you didn't see the <laughs> decades of, of pressure. It's, it's a lot of work when you're sitting in a hotel lobby and you're going to be ushered in to interview somebody super famous, who's giving every single journalist 15 or 20 minutes. Mm-hmm. And all you want to do is get something different out of them. They're tired, they're run down, they've been on the road, they don't know you. So you're, you're kind of forced into this lion's den of creating a level of familiarity and connection and trying to get something of value out of them. Mm-hmm. And then transcribing that audio is, I mean, can you imagine going through all your podcasts and transcribing every word you said and every word your guest says, and then trying to turn that into something cogent in the written language, because every transcription is not English as we think it is in, in the written word. And just doing that, you know, in a world that's pre-digital. So I was in with audio cassettes, Mm -hmm. years and years of that. And it's an astute question and comment because the truth is when people ask me what I do, I often or jokingly will say that I collect conversations. uh, Because that's what's provided me with the greatest level of learning and growth.
0: Mm -hmm. I think that'd be a great book for you. Like the art of conversation. I think... I think you could write that book really because I think you know what it's like to start out on shore. Like I, I I'd say my podcast is, um, for two years I've been really talking to people. I've talked to people all my life. Right. But it's different when you're, when you're, um, talking to someone that you don't know and you haven't practiced, you haven't, you know, so what was it like those, all those years ago when you were a, a young Guy walking into that room. I mean, were you scared sometimes or unsure talking to someone famous that you didn't know?
1: Well, it's not that you don't know them. Often you know them and you have an image of who they are. Mm -hmm. Often you really like them and respect them and don't want to look like the old fanboy showing up. Right. You know, can we talk and then can we get all this stuff signed and get some pictures? (laughs) It's not the, the level of professionalism I wanted to push out right my my idea was to out out knowledge the competitors Mm -hmm. to not just be the local newspaper person who is going to ask them the 101 about why they recorded it why they're on tour who the producer is but to demonstrate to the artist really quickly out of the gates that i understood them and that not only did i like them but i really knew Mm -hmm. i knew about them i knew about their music I wasn't just somebody who was there to either figure out a way to trash them or figure out a way to fawn over them. Mm -hmm. And what happened in the process is probably by sitting there doing these interviews, I gained the trust of the record company executives and management. And that led to many doors being opened in terms of bands wanting me to write their biographies for the record companies or the record companies reaching out and asking about me writing a biography or, just offering conversations maybe that others weren't getting because they knew the artist they knew how much time there was and they wanted to get something substantive out of it. Mm-hmm. I also happen to believe that, you know, living in Canada as you do Montreal, I was able to be a bigger fish in a smaller pond. Yeah. You know, if an artist didn't have any French chops, it limited their media, mm-hmm. Montreal media in general and English can- Quebec was limited. So it kind of, yeah, you kind of is like a, in a weird way of positioning yourself in a way where if they have only a couple of things they can do in a day, you become one of the people they want to get on that slate, whether it's artist, management, record company, or promoter. Mm-hmm. So I learned a lot about playing games and persuasion. My My favorite story that I used up until forever is, and it's an arbitrary example, but it worked is. KISS would be coming to town and this was back before when I liked Gene Simmons. I don't necessarily like him as much now, but um, I would call the the Montreal Gazette and say, Hey, if you give me the front page of the entertainment section, which meant something back then, by the way, um, I can get Eugene Simmons from KISS. And then I would call the record label and say, Hey, if you can get me Gene Simmons from KISS, I can get you the front page. <laughs> so I did a lot of, um, yeah, a lot. I guess that's called arbitrage. I, got, I kind of did a lot of arbitrage back in the day. Yeah to to force my way into into it too and and the, that that's part of what it is and then you just get comfortable with your style you get comfortable with your knowledge mm-hmm. um I would have the record company calling me and asking me like when did this album come out I'm like aren't are, aren't I the person who's supposed to call you with that question and again we, we take all this for granted I have to write an article on a band and uh, you, what, what was the actual spelling on that third album and who was the producer and what year was it we just go online and google it but back then there was no google
0: yeah
1: you yeah had, you really had to i had archives i had file folders i had rock and roll <laughs> books yeah just like it was, <laughs> it was like a library you, know, you built your yeah. own library to be smart so that you could move faster yeah
0: um how uh has there ever been a time when you've been really uncomfortable talking to someone i'm just curious
1: I think I still get uncomfortable which is Mm. good and normal um you know prior to the pandemic one of the things I missed the most uh out of this pandemic is the fact that I really followed Keith Ferrazzi's book Never Eat Alone I really (laughs) I really followed it to a T you know so I I I, every breakfast I'd have a coffee meeting with somebody every lunch I'd have a lunch meeting uh, until I had family I kind of the same thing with dinner and stuff yeah but um So when I go into those, I'm even uncomfortable and unsure and nervous, but it's kind of like public speaking, which I do a lot of, do I still get nervous? Of course I do, but that nerve isn't really nerves. It's energy. So you can make the energy negative nerves, or you can make it positive. Like it's good energy. Yeah. So, you know, you kind of go into everything a little bit like, what's this going to be like, there's no, this isn't a play. This isn't here are your lines, Deanne, and here are mine. Yeah, and You're going to ask this and I'm going to answer that way. It's why when I get asked to do podcasts and they say, can we send you the questions? I tell them not to. And it's why when I get asked and you send the questions, I tell them I can't. Yeah. Um, and I think that there's something dynamic and energetic that can happen when we both don't know what the outcome of this is or why we may be even doing it in the first place. <laughs> course, so there's yeah. something I love that. in that. And yeah. it's a bit of a wrestling match. It's a, bit of, it's a bit of jujitsu where you're trying to figure out, you know, what it is. My, I used to study a lot of martial arts with this guy, Tony Blauer, who's like a world famous close quarter combatives instructor. And the way that he would talk about UFC and mixed martial arts and, and jujitsu is it's, it's like chess only with muscles at a million miles an hour. And conversation is like that too. And conversations are very much like that. You're reading body language. Like right now we're recording audio, but I see you. I see all that nice fabric in back of you and yarn. And I'm getting a beat on when you nod and how you feel. And even though it's Zoom, Mm -hmm. I can still get a beat on you. Um, And I like the fact that if we didn't have it, it might be different. (laughs) It's cool.
0: Yeah, I like that too. And I think think that's why it's, it's an art to conversation. I think if you sort of, I'm like you, I don't want to know the questions and and I I just want to be, if I'm being interviewed, I just want to be really, you know, I want to be on the moment, you know? And, and that's what I want when I talk to people. And, and I think that is, it's like, if I'm making a piece of art, it's the same thing. You know, I I can't have a full plan. I like it
1: Develop. I can be confrontational too on my show mm-hmm. and often I'll get comments that that's what people like. And I, of course, that's what people like that love watching you know, rubbernecking. Um, right. But the truth of the matter is it, it, it speaks to the core of what you were just saying, which is that if you wrote a book or you have a thought that you published, and I think it's interesting to have a conversation with you and you can't show up and show your work and defend it mm-hmm. and speak about it cogently or argue about it. I don't know that it's interesting to me, if I'm being honest. And as I get older and as I do the show more, I'm I'm getting more tired of suffering fools. I don't mean that any of my guests have been fools. It's just stuff that's, you know, 101 or stuff that's just in one lane or stuff that isn't multidimensional. It's it's getting tired for me. And my assumption is that means it's going to get tired for my audience. Mm -hmm. And I I like a bit of that edge. I'm not someone who loves that in life. I'm not someone who's gonna jump out of a plane or you know, I, I jokingly tell everybody I know that I don't like things that move fast or that are too high. You know, so I'm not the person to go on the roller coaster. Yeah. But but I do like having really engaging conversations that provoke me. And provoke me simply means that I leave the conversation better because it changed what i went into the conversation believing
0: Mm -hmm. yeah i love that too it's the it's i think that's why why we do a podcast it's why it's because you're having these conversations with people and like at first when i created a podcast i thought well i'll interview rug hookers and textile people and then i thought well it's good enough to just interview people you know, uh, who create beauty every day in some way, because everybody in and, you know, if I stay open, then it's just, I just don't know where it's going.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, people now grip
0: trains headed, right?
1: You know, as the lockdown happened here in Canada, I had to refocus a big part of my physical business speaking to virtual. Yeah. And it forced me to look at things like audio, video and lighting and hardware and software mm-hmm. in a way that I don't think I wanted to as didn't, wasn't a thing that I was into, but it it forced me to do that. And I started thinking about what's the fastest and easiest way to get this done. And to me, it was look to the people who are doing amazing stuff on YouTube and the streamers. Yeah, Figured like they've really figured out a way to do this in a cost-effective and timely way because suddenly I went from speaking on stage Mm
0: -hmm. with
1: a team of AV people behind and in front of me to me, being all of those people at the same time,
0: mm-hmm. yeah.
1: And one of the things that really got me hooked on watching more YouTubers is the fact that they call themselves creators. Yeah, they and do. Even stre- like there's yeah. the streamers are streamers, but they're also creators, and I just love that they think of themselves as creators. It's it's a bit pompous, but it's kind of great.
0: <laughs> but you kind of think of yourself that way, don't you?
1: I do, for sure. Yeah. yeah. For I, cool. I, yeah. I mean, why would we? Why would we wake up and do things if we weren't creating things that had interest? I, yeah, I'll often say that people are driven by one of three things as a primary driver, and that's power, profit, or fame. Right. Power, we see this in politics. Profit, we see this in people who are extremely wealthy, and you would never mm-hmm. know what their head is down. They don't want any recognition. They don't want their face seen. Fame is more the world that probably you and I occupy. And I don't mean fame in a Kim Kardashian kind of way. I mean it in an attention kind of way, in a way of uh, the most important thing for me is that the work that I create gets recognition in whatever the market size is for it. Yeah, That doesn't mean I'm not interested in profit. It doesn't mean I don't like power. It's just, there's a primary driver usually. Mm -hmm. What about love? Well, love's a funny thing. I mean, I I love a lot of things that I don't apply to the creator bucket. Mm -hmm. You know, I love, I just came back. It's Wednesday that we're recording this. I just came back from my weekly comic book run. I love picking up the new comic books that come out and I love the art of comic books. I love the story of them. I love the format. I love the media of it. I love how these companies think about stories and create characters that go on and on and have different, things. And when things are going kooky, they can make them kookier. Mm -hmm. Um, But I don't see that as anything related to my creating other than it being an influence. So when I think about love, sorry,
0: you love talking to people. You must.
1: Right. But that's my point. I think that that influences the creation. Right. It's just an influence. It's to me, love is a factor of influence that results in the creation. So does does reading comic books impact my conversation indirectly? Mm-hmm. But it's not the you know I don't read comics because I'm a creator. These are just pathways and influences. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, your archives go back to 2003, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah. So that's when you started. Blog-
0: that's when you started blogging. Yeah, online. Yeah. Yeah. And, and at what, point, what what point in there did the podcast actually begin so that you're at over 700 episodes?
1: Well, I just have to do math. be yeah. <laughs> like 751 oh, so divided by, okay. by, by you know, 751 yeah, by episodes. I do have an episode every week, never missed one.
0: You never missed one.
1: No, it came out. I mean, I think I started it not that long after the blog, so I was publishing seven days a week, writing seven days a week. Yeah. And when, when podcasting became feasible, it just felt like that would be a good break on Sunday Mm -hmm. to just talk instead of write. Uh, So The the early episodes, I don't recommend anybody listens to them, were rambles. And I, for a long time, I kind of, I I looked down on interviews. I thought that they were a cop out. It's like, I have no content or nothing to say. So I'll just Mm -hmm. interview somebody. But as the years progressed and the, the media changed I found the conversations really interesting because it suddenly became very obvious to me that there were all these people that were super influential or doing things that were very unique to me. And if I wanted to hear them speak about it, I'd have to wait for like NPR to run a four minute segment on them and maybe I caught it. Yeah. And I thought, well, why in a world where we'll spend an hour with an artist why wouldn't we do the same thing with a business thinker an entrepreneur an author Uh, to this day it bothers me to no end that you know business books have very little value meaning yeah first edition of a tom peters in search of excellence isn't really worth anything to me that book should be worth as much as the first edition of catcher in the rye Mm -hmm. especially if you have it signed in mint condition um and so that as a collector i guess kind of always bothered me a little bit about that part of it <laughs> mm.
0: it was devalued a little bit
1: well we just don't value it mm. I mean, we just we we, I mean, we value the content we value reading it those who love it mm-hmm. and it changes lives mm-hmm. and people are impacted i mean i would never met you or heard of you and mm-hmm. apparently my work has had an yeah, influence in, in one that, way that, shape or form
0: yeah for sure and that's that, yeah.
1: super inspiring. So that's the payout of it. It's not the fact that the book is worth XML, but I just feel that as an artifact, as a collectible, it should be.
0: Yeah. I think uh, one of the things that's impacted me about your podcast is that you talk to really good thinkers, right? Yeah. Uh, you know, and sometimes uh, I, I find personally a lot of business books, it's like what you said about not suffering fools. I feel like so many times I get a business book and I could have, you know, it, was real, it would have been a really great handout. That's what I always say. Good you know? blog post. <laughs> yeah, a really good blog post. And, and it's just so tiring and disappointing, right? But I, I, I find that you uh, wade through a lot of things. And, and, and uh, you're really good at just getting them, people to be themselves and just talk freely about, about their books. And you've introduced me to a lot of thinkers. I think after your podcast, I've left and, you know, ordered the book like so it's
1: the greatest compliment i could get the second greatest compliment is that you read it (laughs) and the third greatest is i did something with that reading
0: (laughs) yeah definitely i have um okay i really i i think i'm just about finished if you're finished is there anything else that you wanted to chat about today or
1: i'm good if you're good i'm I'm here for you so if i served you well then i served you well
0: I think it's been, I think it's been just really nice to talk to you about talking to people and, and I'm really appreciative that you took the time to come on.
1: I'm happy to do it. And I thank you for listening and caring about the stuff I create because that's, that's the coolest.